Hello, everyone. Bonjour tout le monde and welcome to Concordia University's Force Space. Thank you for joining us for research and conversation in the Faculty of Arts and Science. I'll pass it over to host Patrick LaRue and his special guest Aphrodite Salas in just a minute. But just to help situate you, we are streaming to YouTube live from Force Space, which is located uh, here in Jojage on unceded indigenous lands. And we'd like to extend our gratitude to the Kanyankahaga Nation, who are the caretakers for the lands and waters we are gathering on today. We're meeting on uh, for their teachings about the earth and our relations. At Force Space, we work with our university community to mobilize and exchange knowledge by co-creating and facilitating conversations such as these. So it's really our pleasure to host these research conversations with faculty members from the Faculty of Arts and Science, um, today being the second one. And I know Patrick will tell us that there's more upcoming in the coming months. But on that note, I'll pass it over to you, Patrick and Aphrodite. Welcome. Thanks, Anna. And thanks to the entire uh, Force Space team. This is incredible. Um, we started this, uh, these uh, research and conversation uh, uh, exchanges, the series in, in the fall. Uh, we had 17 uh, colleagues come, uh, come uh, speak basically about the research. Uh, this morning, we've already uh, spoken with uh, Gilbert Raymond and Sylvia Quiroz, uh, and I have the uh, immense pleasure of uh, speaking with uh, Aphrodite Salas uh, right now, uh, an assistant professor in journalism. Aphrodite, hi. Hi, thank you for having me here today. Thanks. And you can probably tell I'm sort of glowing from the pleasure of just having the privilege of sitting down with colleagues and just talking about their research, listening, trying to figure out what makes them tick uh, at Concordia. Um, and and we've, we really have had um, uh, varied conversations, people coming from completely different angles, different perspectives. And I think this is yeah, the, the first time we're talking to a journalist. So I'm also intimidated right now because this, this is what you do naturally in life. And, uh, you know, you, you should be interviewing someone else, uh, but, but now we've flipped this around. Right. Uh, so it's right. Your, your it's a little nerve wracking <laughs> now that you mentioned it that way. <laughs> so Aphrodite, you've, um, you've worked as a, as a journalist, a visual journalist, uh, across Canada and around the world. Um, uh, I remember seeing you on TV and, and uh, being surprised that you had decided to come into the university world, uh, into the world of uh, academia and scholarship, and yet you came with everything that you are and there are all of these experiences. Uh, you continue to to, to do more than a reportage. They're the doc documentary films where you you have time and, and resources that uh, are also student-driven, and we'll get to that in a moment. Um, for, for those of you who, who don't know you, and I, there might be a few, but uh, uh, we, we've uh, we've seen Aphrodite uh, on CTV for a number of years. Uh, um, she was the senior anchor at Global Quebec, and and for a while also hosted. You hosted your own uh, TV, uh, sorry, radio talk show, radio. Uh, talk yes, radio show. Yes, with Dennis Trudeau as well for a point right. of time. It was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, a radio show that had to do with uh, current affairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is interesting because you studied uh, political science here at Concordia uh, and, and before that at University of, uh, of Toronto. And, and if I remember well, you also were um, a sessional teacher in political science mm -hmm. before uh, moving on to uh, journalism. So you, you've had these 
ex extremely interesting, rich, diverse experiences uh, within within media, within academia, uh, around the world as well. You worked in in, in Africa as a, as as a correspondent as well, and Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. yeah, let's be exotic. Absolutely <laughs> love Saskatoon. <laughs> and, and what we've been impressed with, uh, I guess, over the past um, past few years, is also um, the the ability with which you've you've combined. Um, the university structure, um, scholarly research, and your, your 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 innate, it seems, ability to connect with with individuals, with community. Uh, you you talked about recently a um, uh, documentary film that you did with uh, with the northern community, and and, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in a moment, um, which thoroughly impressed me. Um, First question: How do you manage to 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 sort of bridge these these worlds? How did you go from from broadcast journalism to to a more research oriented journalism that basically um, you have created here? Sort of co co creation of, of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, you, you you we we talked earlier about. Um, how to call this? How to call this conversation? And and you suggested from extractive to collaborative journalism. Is that is that what is that what has been happening? Uh, were you an extractive journalist, and now you're more of a collaborative journalist? I think. Well, when I when I suggested the title, I think it was more global mm -hmm. in terms of the thoughtful approach I'm trying to take with with the research that I'm doing. Um, but having practiced journalism for quite some time um, and in kind of understanding the colonial structures of our society, um, absolutely, I would have practiced extractive journalism before. I mean, I've been working as a journalist since uh, the late 90s. So, you know, there, there and I hope to say that, you know, there's been an evolution. Um and that's that's what I'm working towards. I mean, you've asked a couple of questions. I think. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Good, good <laughs> I think. I think ultimately, in terms of academia and and media, right? Mm -hmm. it's very different worlds. Right. Very different worlds. Um, but you know, I think as human beings, we are all kind of driven by different things uh, at different times in our lives. I think that's important to be philosophical, but what brings you meaning at different points in your life. Mm -hmm. um, if you have the, you know, it's important to think of these things. You're also asking a Greek, right? So I'm also very philosophical in my approach uh, when I can be. <laughs> and so I started off as a journalist. I didn't know I was going to be a journalist when I was in my undergrad at the University of Toronto. Um, I think I had this impression I wanted to go to law school or, uh, you know, perhaps eventually do my PhD. And I, so I knew that I wanted to keep learning, mm. uh, but it was a professor at the time, a writing course that I took. Um, and these things are, this is why I love the university environment so much, because I know what certain professors did for me in my life, setting me on a particular path. Mm -hmm. And I see that I'm able to do that or, or, or I have the resources to try to do that for others now. Um, and that's a great joy. But this prof kind of identified that I had this, you know, I, I was, I was good at writing. That's what, you know, my marks showed. And I progressed to kind of pursue what I thought would could be a career. And then it just kind of took off. But I always had a foot 
in the university environment because uh, I always taught one class as a part-time faculty member, not only at Concordia beginning in 2005, but also at the University of Western Ontario as well. When I was an anchor in in, uh, Kitchener for CTV, I taught um, at the graduate school at Western for a class. So that kind of, and I knew that I wanted to to come back at some point um, to hopefully contribute to scholarship in my in my professional area, which obviously was journalism and continues to be. Mm-hmm. And, and and so working in in the more extractive mode, uh, w- would you say this is time time based because you're working on deadlines? You're you don't have very much. Um, time or resources to actually get the information. No. Um, and, and, but in the university, you're on a different time scale. Right, right. And so I have to say not all uh, daily news is like this, right. So, but I would say the vast majority of uh, daily news in the Western world is, is by nature extractive in that you have to go take, come back, produce in, on a very quick uh, timeline. Yeah. That's, that's the model, right? That doesn't lend itself to easily, it does not lend itself easily to building relationships over time, to building trust. It can be done, and many reporters do an excellent job of that if they have a beat. Mm-hmm. If, let's say, they're on Parliament Hill or they're covering a particular uh, subject or community, you know, you're able to develop those relationships, but it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So in this environment um, at the university, that's that is a wonderful, wonderful thing that um, that time is something so valuable. And when you're doing long term research, you have that time and and you can actually build relationships in a different way. It's not impossible to do that uh, in mainstream media, but in this environment with a media partner, it makes it so much it's just so much more conducive to the kind of work that I'm trying to do. Right. And that work, uh, I have to mention uh, the, the latest film, uh, uh, right, uh, which is absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. It is uh, thought-provoking. Uh, and I'd, li- I'd, like us to, I'd like us to hear more about it. Um, one, one thing that I notice is its pace. Pace is very, very slow yes. and deliberate. You bring us into this world, mm-hmm. and it takes time for mm-hmm. us to to fi- find our way in that world. Mm-hmm. But we do. Can you, can you talk about the process and how you did this, and who you brought on, on that trip as well? So, so just a, a word about about the process, right? So, when I came to Concordia as a full time faculty member, it was two years after the TRC. Um, So the TRC in 2015, the final report was issued. I came to Concordia full-time, 2017, 2018. But in 2015, you know, I had been following, obviously, what was happening, the commission. I was also very involved um, and continue to be very involved in the BAMP Forum uh, policy conference and had really been thinking a lot about the way non-Indigenous journalists interact with Indigenous peoples and communities and had just been thinking about that for a long time anyway, professionally. Mm-hmm. But when the TRC final report came out and the calls to action came out, um, and I read the document, um, call to action 86 focuses on what journalism educators and 
journalism departments can do to contribute to reconciliation. I know that and that word also is very loaded. Mm-hmm. And I want to note that I use that word in the spirit of how it was written about in the TRC. So the spirit of coming together uh, in a spirit of healing, not the other definition which uh, uh, of, of the word reconciliation, which um, you know gives this impression that you can return to something that was good in the past. That's not the right. definition I'm using. So okay. I'm using the word in that way. And 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 I and I sit here, you know, as we heard the territorial acknowledgement earlier, mm-hmm. and and you know, I'm a guest on this territory too, um, and so I, and and I want to do something meaningful to to acknowledge that that's how this research project was born. Um, I began working with members of Indigenous Clean Energy, an amazing group headquartered in Ottawa, Mm -hmm. uh, which works with Indigenous communities across uh, our land to build clean energy projects. Um, And I've worked with two communities extensively now. The one that you that you just mentioned was Inukshuak up north in Nunavik, um, an amazing community that almost 20 years ago started this process of thinking, how can we kind of get off diesel? Because we know diesel fuel is, is dirty, is, uh, you know, pollutes, it's, it's bad for the environment, bad for all these things. Mm-hmm. And they, as, you know, cl- showing great climate leadership, uh, made the decision years and years ago to start looking at other options. So they did this over time. And I started uh, speaking with community leaders there back in 2019 through Indigenous Clean Energy, and we were able to build this relationship. So even though I did take a small group of Concordia students in November of 2021, but the relationship had been building for, you know, two years before. So there was a process. And this is kind of this is what is different from daily journalism. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had the great opportunity to speak many times with our main community resource person, Erica Tegutalik, uh, who showed us an incredible amount of, you know, just grace and bringing us on, uh, meeting with us via Zoom, uh, giving us sensitivity training that was similar to other, you know, people who go up north in that particular community so that we would Mm -hmm. understand the context, the cultural context, community context and you know taking two years to develop the relationship with people and to understand fully where we were going um you know what the context was reading the trc report reading other reports um speaking to people and preparing it gave i think myself and the students an opportunity to really think about what kind of journalism we were going to practice, Mm. how, you know, how do we do this? And of course we were focusing on a very positive story, this positive story of climate leadership. Um, So it's not just the process, but it was also very deliberate to choose a story of strength of Inuit resilience, showing that here's an example of, 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 of great leadership um, and something that we can all learn from, right? How to make a difference in the space where you're living. Uh, so it was really, it was really uh, a very slow, deliberate process. And we went up, we were welcomed by the community. 
was really wonderful. Uh, and we can, and the thing is, you know, we went up, yes, but we continue to speak. I, I was emailed with Eric earlier this week on, you know, other things that we, Eric and Sarah Lisa, who are both in, featured in the documentary, came down and we all presented it together at, at COP15 um, at the Biodiversity yeah. UN Conference here in Montreal in December. So the, the world heard about this, right. this and, initiative. And in Indigenous Clean Energy mm-hmm. actually screened it at COP27, Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt as well. So... So just amplifying the climate leadership of this particular community was the journalistic mm-hmm. aim. Yeah. Um, the, but the process, the journalism education aim on my part, yeah. was really trying to see how can we do this differently and what effect does it have on the students and on the people who worked with us? That's the space where I'm in. So when I talk about extractive to collaborative, it's because really not doing things the way you know they've been done also recognizing that um traditionally reporting on indigenous communities really takes this conflict frame and right. really taking care to to re reimagine the frame listen and 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 work together to share a story that is accurate that is mm-hmm. Um, embraced by the community as well, that is representative and is theirs. Right. And it clearly is theirs. You show a, um, an empowered community making, making a difference for themselves, but also giving us tools uh, to do the same elsewhere. Right. Right. They, they, they build this uh, hydroelectric uh, uh, dam for themselves. Right. And, and they, at the end of the documentary, they anticipate uh, selling a, a lot of the, uh, the, the, the excess energy mm-hmm. to, uh, to Hydro-Quebec. Mm-hmm. And um, is, is there eventually a follow-up, uh, follow-up story there? Yes, uh, the, the real impacts, uh, because you're in the anticipation right. uh, of what's to come here. Right. Um, how, how do you envisage that continued relationship because you you mentioned this you, right. you were there uh it was a two-year build-up mm-hmm. you're, you're still in relationship with them they've come here right you, you presented this to cop um do you feel a responsibility now to continue that relationship a hundred percent i mean that's right. what i think makes the difference um and i don't have all the answers and i'm just one person working on this small project um but from what my students say they loved the idea that they could take more time and care and mm. learn and share together in this process. Right. Um, 60 students applied for three spots on my research team, 60. Um, and, and we'll be going up again uh, later in the year. That's the aim to With revisit students. Or right, uh, probably different ones yeah. because now the right. ones that I had all got jobs in journalism. Oh, well, nice. So, so they're, you know, we achieved that at least, right? So they're, they're, they're working professionally um, and doing wonderfully well. And so, yeah, it'll be new students for sure, because we'll be going up uh, if everything goes well, then later this year uh, to continue. But that's the idea. The idea is to build relationships and not just go somewhere take, mm-hmm. tell us, tell us, or that's the other thing too. It's, you know, the language I, I'm, I'm using the word sharing a story as opposed to telling a story, because that's what it is. You ask right. permission to, to share a story, um, it, not going in extractively take and then tell a story. That's not what we're doing. 
sharing. Um, so, so what I'm doing is it's now it started off uh, as really this amazing research that I read about years ago, conciliatory journalism mm-hmm. um, in Finland. But as the projects have been continuing, I note that we take some from the conciliatory journalism approach, but because we're here and things are a little different in in Canada, the approach, different things, the collaborative uh, approach is also coming through. Um, There's been some writing about reconciliation journalism as well. So the process now is evolving. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I find very exciting too about about just the building of the relationships and, and moving forward in this way. Understanding that it takes time, but that investing the time also brings great reward. Right. And you are absolutely practicing what you, I won't say preach, but you're practicing what you advocate mm-hmm. uh, with, with, with that, with that documentary film. And, and I'd like to hear you um, maybe speak about the, the mentorship that you, you've broached this uh, with, with the students and what, can you tell, tell us uh, what the direct impacts might've been on those students as For well? Sure. Yep. Yes. I mean, so I've done, so with the students in particular, I did, um, extended interviews, so long-form interviews, qualitative interviews okay. before and after travel. Uh, and so so I do know that all of them, and, and those were three students for this particular project, but I did do a project in 2018 with another community in Northern Ontario, mm-hmm. and that involved six students at the time. So through these interviews, I've been able to understand that the students very much appreciate this process of learning. Um, And I tell them, you know, it's not just a trip when you apply. You're not just applying to take a trip. This is this is something different. This is, um, you know, a a long term experience and approach that's going to ask you hard questions in your own mind about the way you approach your job, the way you approach talking to people, the way you approach information, um, and the way you acknowledge the gaps in your own knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, that too is important, I think, uh, to, to have intellectual humility as you embark on this. So the three that I took, I, I'm just going to brag a yep. little bit. So, please do. right, I have to because I'm so proud of them. So Virginie Ann uh, is now a full-time journalist for CBC and Whitehorse. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's doing wonderful work involving all kinds of, of news and people. She actually just put together a long-form project on an Indigenous community north of Whitehorse as well. So she wrote me a note of two or three weeks ago and just said, you know, I... I'm doing what we, what we did. Hmm. I'm doing what you taught me. And I can't even tell you how that made me feel, right? It made me feel so happy that she found meaning in the approach that we're taking and that she's growing that with, with new relationships in Whitehorse. So I'm so proud of her. And Luca Caruso Moro is a full-time journalist at CTV Montreal, digital journalist. He's doing fantastic. He's the one, he was the web designer for the whole project. 
so he created the amazing inter- interface and he also came on the first project in Northern Ontario. He just continues to do wonderful work, very thoughtful. And he was able to come to COP15. Virginie couldn't because she was in Whitehorse. Um, and Karia Quash was actually a graduate student and just finished, defended his thesis at the end of December and uh, and is working on a new film and just amazing as well. So it's 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 very rewarding mm-hmm. because they they take the I hope I hope that they take the experience and continue to remember the importance of slow collaboration, respectful relationships and that that takes time to build. These things can't be rushed. I'm very impressed with um basically how you're uh, turning these experiences into real learning opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, how you're sharing this passion, this knowledge, the, 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 this very positive approach to, to, to journalism with the students. Um, and you're very uh, clearly self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, so so may, maybe it's because you have more time now because you're not rushing you know, every two weeks for to a new story. Right. Although being a professor is also running around as right, <laughs> as right, know, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's time. It's time to. It's the reflection time, yeah. right? Yeah. So so it's it's acknowledging that this project. So when you embark on it, you know when each project that I embark on, I recognize that this is a. If everything works well, it will be a multi-year relationship. Okay. Yeah. Knowing that. Yeah. So I, I also now I'm working with a new community in northern Manitoba. Um, and that, you know, it's taking time to mm. to build and knowing that the relationship will last for years and years. That's the hope. Because then we can build something properly um, and and look at new ways of doing journalism and how we can do that better. And I, I noticed that uh, you're working on, on a book, Indigenous uh, Reporting for Non-Indigenous Journalists. So it sounds like you're, you're actually channeling all of this knowledge uh, and making it useful uh, to others. Uh, how is that so. coming along? I, I'd like to hear you, uh, right. your thoughts about that. Right. I hope so. I hope so. And, and that's it. But really, I want to underline the fact that I, I am learning, too. Right. Um, and that, so I, like, again, I don't have all the answers but when my work is informed by other journalists, indigenous journalists, Duncan McHugh of the CBC wrote an amazing book recently um, on decolonizing journalism education. And I've been so lucky to have many indigenous partners, mm-hmm. um, Patricia Elliott, Corey Wilson, uh, my amazing friend, Daryl Brown, uh, who, Kara Sanders. I mean, just so many people that have come together and said, you know what, we believe in building bridges, let's do this together. So that's the only way forward, I think. Um, and so, so we, I, I hope that, that, this, that this can help others kind of embark in the same space. Right. And it's a very different project. This is written form, extremely self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't... Uh, Basically, you're out, out outside of the usual visual references. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, are you working on this alone or collaboratively? So the way that came about, uh, Rootledge, um, so there's a, a book editor mm-hmm. who had approached me after I made a presentation at an international conference uh, a couple of years ago on journalism. And she approached me with this idea of 
potentially writing a book. So I thought, wow, that's, you know, I, I wasn't sure about it. This is about two years in the making and we've gone back and forth. And right now I'm in the process of building this structure, the provisional structure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm doing it alone uh, at the moment. And she's been a wonderful resource. Actually, I have a meeting with her coming up and I'm, I would like to discuss some more collaborative. So it's all in the process, but at the moment, this is, yeah, at the moment, it's just me. Sorry. I've identified the one project. Right. I'm like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like talking to a doctoral student saying, so how's your dissertation coming about? Right. Right. But also, I mean, the thing, the thing too, is that it's a pro it's a process. And so, so how do you put that together? I imagine I'll definitely be incorporating the views of my students, uh, the views of my collaborators, uh, because that's, it's a very collaborative process. Right. So, you know, it's not going to be a handbook, me telling you what to do. I think it would be me reflecting on the lessons learned, the lessons that I continue to learn, reflecting on what the students have learned thus far and my collaborators as well, what worked, what didn't work. The other complicated thing too is that we just like the pandemic really made things difficult uh, Mm -hmm. for a few years. Luckily, I was able to build continue building the relationships online and then go up. That was really lucky. Um, But and and again, it's allowing for reflection. Sorry, I think I've lost my thread of. Uh, I was just thinking about the fact that uh, your your usual approach would have to do with. giving others voice mm-hmm. or giving, but allowing their voice to, 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 to be shine. heard, to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, but a book project is, is finding your own voice as well. So it's a very different approach. <laughs> it's a very different approach, but I think, look, I never would have thought anybody would have wanted to read a book that I like that I would write, but, oh, I but, but, but what I, I notice is the more I do the work, um, and do the projects and build the relationships, people do reach out and say, I'd like to do something similar with a group here or, mm-hmm. you know, and really it's, it's the collaborators, Daryl Brown uh, in Winnipeg, who first, the first conversation we had was back in 2017 about all of this. He was on the board of indigenous clean energy. That's how it all started. So it's really about, a community of people across the country in different places that want to make things better. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it's making things better in journalism education. And I'm lucky enough to have partners and people that believe in that. Right. Right. You're also involved in a project called the Journalism for Human Rights, the Misinformation Project, mm-hmm. uh, which has pedagogical aims as well. But uh, from what I understand, you're, you're actually engaged in developing new projects there and mm-hmm. outside of Canada. Could you, could you tell mm-hmm. us a bit about that? Absolutely. So Journalists for Human Rights is an amazing organization headed up by Rachel Pulfer in Toronto, international organization. And a few years back, right before the pandemic, they began this misinformation project. So what mm-hmm. is the misinformation project for JHR? Uh, it's a project where initially they were they had trainers train I was part of the first cohort, so probably a dozen journalists or journalism educators across the country in media literacy. The idea was how to identify misinformation and disinformation online, Mm -hmm. obviously. The tools and techniques change constantly, um, but with an aim at training journalists 
and journalism students. So in the course of your reporting, how can you verify information quickly? Uh, we're talking about image images or videos or, um, you know, how do you kind of navigate this as well as report responsibly. So we did, so I was working as a trainer for them, I would say for a couple of years, um, and then began giving the same media literacy training to a group in uh, Thessaloniki uh, in Greece, uh, the Aristotle University, they have a summer training program. So I started giving the training there and then networks, right? Uh, I was invited by two groups in uh, one group in Ljubljana, Slovenia, and another group in Belgrade, Serbia last year to also contribute with training um, journalists, uh, particularly in Slovenia, from six Balkan countries mm. uh, and civil servants um, with some of the same techniques. So I adjusted some of the training, developed some new training and gave those groups the training. Um, and also now I'm working with MIGS uh, as a as a right. faculty fellow, and that is actually I'm also working with a student that I just recently hired to put together a series of podcasts on disinformation in Ukraine, um, and focusing on this area of misinformation and disinformation in Southeast Southeast Europe. Right, and the the situation in Ukraine obviously is uh, is extremely difficult and. Um, you, I remember you had mentioned that you you had uh, gotten uh, I guess uh, uh, involved in, in conversations with uh, a professor or dean yes. in Mariupol. Is that right? Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, uh, what, what came out of that? Right, absolutely. So the she so Svetlana uh, is the dean of journalism at Mariupol University. Okay. Had to leave, obviously. I met her when I was giving uh, the media literacy training last summer at Aristotle University. Right. And when I came back, we were able to continue the conversation and she put me in touch with one of her students, which now that's what actually happened. So then the student that I hired, I put them together okay. to have a conversation about about exactly that journalism in, you know, being a journalism student in the middle of this war. What what is right. that like? And so we are in the process of fleshing out a number of different themes to discuss Um which, you know, and then to develop these podcasts, themes mm. like, you know, what happens when disinformation, what kind of role does that play within families, right? When, when you have families that are part are believing one thing, part are believing another, right. and, and how is that approach? So we're, so the work is quite interesting, in fact. Um, and this is, I, I guess families can be split along the lines absolutely. of which media they're watching 100%. and consuming. And we, we know 100%. that. And, and working with a, with, with a journalism student in, in uh, Mariupol, which is, you know, has, has been uh, taken by, by the Russians, uh, there's also a danger. There's, there's real risk involved right. here. So um, how, how do you mitigate that? How do you, how do you engage with, uh, with a journalism student uh, Without putting the risk, right? Essentially, so she th she had to leave Mariupol, okay. um, and the conversations obviously they're on the phone. Okay. Um, and Bogdan, actually, the student that's working with me, he he's Ukrainian right. and speaks both Ukrainian and Russian. Okay, and so he's also been able to to communicate in different ways, and and that and in terms of you know we have the conversations and really look for. For themes, that's the thing. In this particular case, we're doing long-term, con longer conversations, and then 
being able to then reflect, okay, what do we pull out of that conversation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in order to expand, depending on the theme. So we're right. hoping to do that work in the next couple of months, actually. Right. So it's not, the conversations oh. have already been done, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did the okay. interviews. Yep, yeah, in the nice. November. Mm -hmm. So you're not necessarily in the reporting relationship. You're, this is more of a again a long term thinking about what right. it means to be a journalist in that environment, right. and what what will come out of that. Is it like a, a series of conversations that can be followed as such? Is it a podcast? Well, is it a documentary? What's the end? Uh, so the end result. What result, we're yeah. aiming for um, is so. There's a couple of other interviews as well, including one with Craig Silverman, who's a graduate of Concordia University and a misinf international misinformation expert. So we're looking at um, looking at all the interviews now and likely I would say it'll probably be a series of po podcast episodes okay. that we'll publish on the MIGS website and potentially as well the digital magazine in our Concordia okay. department, journalism department. So I think that's what is going to be the output and mm -hmm. in the next couple of months. Right. And do you, do you write, um, in, in a scholarly manner, do you write, uh, learned articles, uh, describing that process That's the or, idea. Or, 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 or not? Or That's are you the really idea. involved in the... That's the idea. The idea. So it's the process, right? So it's the right. process of understanding what, you know, and, and because we're in the middle of the journalism work, that's the interesting thing about, about journalism research, right. and what I do research creation. Yeah. The creation is one thing, the research often comes after, right? Right. So we, we can then look at the methods, look at the kind of how things were put together, reflect, mm -hmm. do the qualitative interviews, look for themes, and then understand the lessons learned right. after the fact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Aphrodite, you, you, you've uh, opened a, a world of, of uh, incredible possibilities in terms of research, in terms of in, real engagement uh, with various communities around the, you know, North America, Europe. Um, you, you planted this image of you being basically everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> but, but, but especially reaching, reaching out, reaching out to, uh, to, to various communities, various voices that absolutely uh, need to be heard and, and uh, should, should be heard as well. Uh, I, I really thank you for, for the time you've, uh, you've given us. Uh, we could have gone on forever, but uh, I got the little red uh, curtain uh, uh. a moment ago. Thank you so much for today. Thank you. Thank you for being Thank you for asking me to be here. My pleasure. If you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can contact us by email at info4 at concordia.ca or find us on social media at cu4thspace. All social media is managed by Jacqueline Wexler. This episode of the Fourth Space podcast is hosted by me, Maximus Delmar, and produced by Anna Vaklavec and Douglas Moffat. Editing by myself, Douglas Moffat, and Chanel Lees Marshall. Additional thanks to Supercontinent for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.